are listening to the Strong Towers Podcast, a podcast where all topics are on the table, from brotherhood and faith, culture and wisdom. So pull up a chair and join us as we talk about the things that build us up and make us strong. Welcome back to another Strong Towers Podcast. I am your host, Tom, here as always with Mike and John. And we're just going to do some some reflecting this week, actually on a social media post, which is a little bit strange for us because um, we try and avoid all the craziness of social media as much as possible. But we've been talking about discomfort uh, and we've been trying to differentiate that from uh, just things that challenge us or things that we want to be challenged in. And so if you haven't been following our conversations the last couple of weeks, um, we've really been kind of framing it up as stepping into the unknown, um, that, that it's things that make us uncomfortable because we don't know where they're going to go. We don't know what they're going to require of us. Um, and so it's a little bit different than, uh, what we've been calling the the challenge piece of set a goal. I sort of know what I have to do to meet that goal. And it's just a matter of, of, uh, going through the steps to do that. Um, and so we saw this post from, uh, a buddy, um, actually talking about another friend of ours and how, uh, their relationship started at the gym because, uh, our friend was, um, should we say accosted, uh, nonstop, uh, knowing the other party as we do, um, you know, just nonstop. Hey, do you know who Jesus is? Jesus loves you. Let me tell you about Jesus. Uh, and, um, the way that our friend put it in his post is, you know, this guy shows up at the gym and he's like this, um, strange, like Jesus freak type of guy. Um, and it ends up two years later, he's the best man at his wedding. He baptizes him in a river. They have this really great, uh, friendship. Uh, and our, our friend's life is, is radically changed because of the interaction of, this other guy that, that we already knew and, and, uh, and love and, um, is totally sold out, super, uh, people person evangelist. Uh, and so that I got to thinking, how come that's not me? Yeah. Right. How come that, uh, I don't think I, I personally, I don't think anybody would be able to tell that story about me. I'm pretty sure. Um, and so, you know, what is it, what is it about our faith that, uh, that keeps us from being that person in somebody else's life? Yeah, 100%. I like the way you put that, Tom, because when I read the post, the first thing I said to myself was like, wow, that's of course for our other friend, it's to be expected, right? He is like that with so many people. Yeah. But I did, part of me went like, but why am I not right? Why is that not me? Like, why, like you said, why can I not? be that guy. And, um, and even, even when we talk about the podcast, right. I've, I've had friends that bring up like, Hey Mike, you're on a podcast. And I'm like, yeah, man, what is it about? And, you know, I give the elevator speech. I say the, uh, you know, it's a podcast about brotherhood, faith, culture, and whiskey. And then I'm like, but the faith stuff is where I, I almost hesitate to mention that portion when I tell them what it's about. Right. And it, it made me start to really question, why do I find so much discomfort in talking about my faith? You know, why can I be more like our friend who is just screaming from the top of the hills 
hey, Jesus loves you, right? And that, and right. That, not to get all cliche and corny like that, but why do I find like why I'm I'm getting uncomfortable now just even talking about it, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think to be fair and and completely transparent too, this is a conversation the three of us have had, particularly around this platform, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Of are we three Christian guys who have a podcast or is this a Christian podcast? And to what extent is faith a part of what's on the table in, you know, in each episode that we do? Um, And so I don't think we uh, are necessarily hiding the fact that that we are uh, believers in Christ uh, on the podcast. Uh, But there are definitely episodes that we don't talk about faith. And so, uh, you know, why is it that it's not a part of sort of our normal everyday routine like you said for a friend that's shouting it from the hilltops well and i think some of it is we just we've seen it done wrong a lot and that's part of what makes it even more discomfort you know uncomfortable discomfortable i'm going to say that at least two more times i'm sure before this podcast (laughs) is over discomfortable um but i mean whether it's like you know guy on the street corner with a turn or burn sign or you know the, the person that does get up in your face on a regular basis when you just weren't ready for it. Uh, yeah. I was actually, I was thinking about this today because uh, somebody asked me to speak to a, a group of high schoolers in a, in a week or two on this particular topic. You know, how do you share your faith? And I was realizing just looking back over my life, we were church attendees because, you know, it was obligatory. Faith didn't really have much of a, a practical role in our life. And in high school, my closest friends were the Jesus freaks. And I I don't think I ever put two and two together that way. Like, obviously, I was aware of it, but I hadn't necessarily associated myself with that group. They were just really nice people. And they were never pushy, but there was always an invitation, and I just never accepted it. And then I went to a Lutheran college, not because of the faith, but because they offered me a scholarship. And even in that environment, like several of the people that I was closest to. I mean, I joined a fraternity that, and it wasn't a Christian fraternity, but it was a fraternity founded on Christian principles. And like, there was just this recurring theme of, I kept edging right up to it, but I I never wanted to jump in. And then it just like it for one day, it, it mattered. Yep. After all the other days when it didn't. And so it's not like nobody was trying. And it's not like there weren't opportunities, but it's, you know, there's been times where we've been on the receiving end of the discomfortable approach. And and I think it's one of the things that makes us leery of then inflicting that upon others. Because for every time that it's it seemed to go well, like this story that we're opening up with about these two guys that we know, it feels like there's countless stories of times that it's gone sideways. and feels like it's probably just safer to let, let's not dip our toe in that water or let's only do it if there's some degree of, of surety that this is going to work out. And you don't get that in places of discomfort. You don't get that, that guarantee before you dive in. You don't get it with finances. Like we talked about with Alex a couple of weeks ago, you don't get it with close, intimate brotherhood style friendships. This is one of those places where there's risk. So then there's work that has to get done, right? Because 
we are going to come at this with whatever preconceived notions uh, that we have. And yet, I don't think you would find a Christian who doesn't believe that evangelism is supposed to be a part of our walk, right? And so we have this tension between this is something that I am supposed to be doing, and this is something that really kind of makes me not feel okay. And so how do we uh, how do we handle that discomfort? How do we approach that discomfort like we've been talking about the last couple of weeks and actually continue to be able to move forward? Right. Well, and I think one of the ways that we try to do it, anything that's in a place that's uncomfortable, we try to systematize it, right? Come up with a program, come up with a process. Yep. You know, pre- predictable process, predictable outcome. That'll make me feel more comfortable. And, you know, so as, as I've now entered into this, you know, I've left the world of classroom education and now entered into the world of ministry full time. Like I'm, I'm encountering lots of the, like, how do you do evangelism? Right. And so, you know, here's your four part story. And if you can tell your story in these four parts in X number of minutes, then people are going to hear you and it's going to be helpful. And they're not wrong, but it's just not always going to work. Right. Or, you know, if you approach in this way, or if you use this sort of introduction, or if you use these sorts of analogies, or if you have these sorts of facts at your disposal, then it's going to work. And it may. And all of those things have been proven helpful. And they've worked. I mean, you've got anecdotal evidence for all of it. And you've got times where you've crashed and burned with it. And that brings (laughs) us right back to that place of discomfort of, I don't want to be here if it's not going to work. Yeah. And yet, like you said, Tom, it's the place that we're called to go. Well, so you brought up the the risk word, right? We are risking something um, in putting ourselves out there, even just relationally, but particularly in terms of uh, trying to be outspoken about our faith, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, are those strategies and and um, you know systems just a way to reduce that risk? And then we still end up having to make, you know, we still end up having to make that choice at some point. You can't, you can't reduce the risk enough that it happens for you. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that risk, like, as you say about failing um, and what you have to lose, I think for me has always been the struggle, right? And, and what am, what am I willing to put up there to lose? And I think the hard part for me, and I don't want to get too high score say that I don't care what people think because ultimately I kind of do but you know some of it (laughs) some of it is uh is I don't want to be the Ned Flanders nerdy guy right Right. like I don't want to be that guy who's who's you know oh man here he's here here comes the Jesus freak let's 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 get out of here right like all the cool kids making me you know feel like I did back back in the day but you know what gets me is is it's when it comes to other aspects of my life I I don't care about how nerdy I am right like I I played a bird catching wingspan board game for two hours last night with a couple of my buddies. And it was the most fun I've had in a long time. And we were sitting there talking about, Oh, what kind of bird did you get on this, on this card? Or, you know, it was, it was, it was, it was borderline (laughs) Dungeons and Dragons and all those different board games that you can play out there. And, uh, I had fun and I was just kind of like, we were talked about and that would never have came up. We would never have talked about board games had not one one time I just brought up the fact that I played um, that I played Ticket to Ride, and then that mm-hmm. snowballed 
into this whole thing that now we're talking about like once a month, let's get together and, and have co-op board game nights and all this other things. And I think to myself, how many times have I missed that opportunity to talk about Jesus? How many times have I missed that opportunity to, to talk to my neighbor across the street and then six months, a year down the road, I'm at my buddy's house helping him on his roof and I see my neighbor over there and it's like, Hey, what do you do here? Oh, we go to the same church. Oh, really? Like, like you go to the same church as my buddy? Like, how do you, I didn't even know you were, you know, a believer. Like, why did this never come up in our conversations before? And I, and it's always, like you said, that risk and, and part of it, and I'm trying to find the word here, but it's, it's, it's my persona or my, you know, what my mask, the thing that I'm allowing people to see who I am. And it's not that I'm, a, I'm, I'm not ashamed of, of Jesus, but ultimately that's what I, I, I start to question myself is, is, am I? Yeah. And I, and I think that's a really powerful question, Mike, and, and something that, um, that we definitely have to wrestle with. And I think, um, you know, that, uh, that the enemy wants us to kind of wrestle with, right. Of, I can't talk about Jesus because I'm going to be that Ned Flanders type guy, or, you know, I, I don't really know enough or love him enough or whatever to be the guy that's going to, you know, evangelize in my neighborhood. And, and I'll leave that to, to somebody else, you know, or somebody that's yeah. in professional ministry or, um, whatever that might be, uh, but I think one of the things while, you, while you're talking about, um, you know, going back and forth with your neighbor and, and not realizing that you know he was going to the same church as your buddy and, and whatever, is we have the opportunity to let people into our lives, and so then they can figure out that we're we're not that Ned Flanders guy because I'm not just coming up to them on the street on a Sunday afternoon because. Uh, you know, we went to church and now I'm supposed to, you know, win, win people for Christ, um, as my homework assignment. Um, you know, but, but they get to see the kind of person that I am and that faith is a component of that. Uh, and so I'm, I'm just wondering, cause again, definitely not doing this well. Um, but how much of it does that have to be a component of what we're doing? So that um, we're not just that weird, creepy yeah. Christian, um, you know, that, that they're actually knowing us. Right. Yeah, that's, that you're a person. You're not a promo. Right. Right. You're, you're a human being. You're not a commercial. And, and I think that's part of the challenge in this place of discomfort is it's I don't know how to do this. And so I need to figure out how to do this. And it, and it feels like, again, it feels like I need to figure out a way to make this comfortable instead of this just sort of being the natural outflow, right? Like, you know, Mike, you have sucked, I don't know how many people into running lately, right? <laughs> and, and it's not something that you're going out with, with a checklist for of, all right, I got to convert three guys to ultra running this month, or I'm not actually an ultra runner, right? It's just, it's your natural enthusiasm for this thing that you've become a part of that is just undeniably infectious, right? And I'm trying very, very hard, much like I did with Christianity early in my life. I'm trying very hard to not get sucked <laughs> into ultra running now. And I don't know if it's going to work. I may get converted yet. We'll see. But I mean, we all have these places where we're just intensely passionate, right? The things that if you're around us long enough, you'll just hear us talking about, right? Everybody yeah. has that thing. And yet we're not spokespeople for these brands, these companies, 
these authors, these products, whatever the case is. It's just it's just a natural passion that if you know me long enough, you're going to hear me talk about the wheel of time. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, if if you're around me long enough, you're going to hear me talk like there, there's there's things that just come up in the course of relationship. And I think one of the places where we get hung up is the difference between evangelist and evangelism. Hmm. Right. And evangelist is that's the professional spokesperson. Right. Whether you're getting paid or not, it's just in your wiring. Like this is the thing that you're called to do. And I saw a stat on this because, again, this is now the world that I'm entering into. And so I'm reading books that I never would have read before. And it was saying that, you know, when you look at the, the breakdown of just like giftings and passions within Christian culture, the, the number of people that are actually evangelists, like internally wired to make this the thing that they pursue for their lifetime, is only about 10%. Only about 10% of people are the ones that really want to go out into the world and talk to everybody about Jesus and tell them how much Jesus loves them, just like this guy that was doing it at the gym, right? He is a wired evangelist. Yes. Evangelism is you telling your story to the people that you happen to encounter in moments of receptivity, right? It's not the quota. It's not the, I have to talk to three people this month or else I'm not really in the club. I'm not a real Christian. It's not the, unless, you know, all of my family believes or all of my close friends believe or my neighbors know that I believe, right? I'm, I'm failing. It's not that. It's, if you get to know me, this is going to come up. And if you get to know me, this is going to come up because it's something that I'm not only passionate about, but it has changed the way that I live. Mm. Right. So Brooke and I are doing this diet right now. And this has become one of my best illustrations for evangelism. Right. I lost 22 pounds in the first 20 days of this diet. And all I have to do is say that sentence and people are hooked. They're like, you have to tell me everything. <laughs> I want to know the plan. I want to know the title. I want to know the, the, like, tell me everything because I could use that kind of change in my life. Yep. And I've even started to like have this conversation in the midst of religious conversations where we're talking to people about God and how God can really have a tangible effect on their life. And I throw in this thing about the diet and it's like, forget Jesus. I want to lose weight. <laughs> and so it feels like part of what has to happen here is, you know, I'm not sharing this just because it's the right thing to do. I'm not sharing this because it's obligatory. I'm not sharing this to meet a quota. I'm sharing this because I lost 22 pounds in 20 days and I can't believe it. And you have to hear about this. And I think that's the challenge for a lot of people. It's they're not real sure what their story is yet. Mm. They're not sure what story to share. You know, it, it's not so much about am I an evangelist or not? It's what does evangelism look like for me? What's the story that I have to tell? And not that I have to hook everybody. But, you know, am I passionate or not? And when I talk about it, am I willing to let that passion come out? Well, that's I, I think that's just a, a great way to put it. I mean, I've always used the uh, the excuse we did. Um, you know, we've done like that, the, the, the five-fold ministry, um, the test, or we've done, uh, you know, uh, uh, the love language test. And I always... Mm -hmm. 
I always use those as, as excuses on why I'm not pouring into yep. other ways. Like, well, quality time's not my way. I show love, so that's why that's why I don't want to, you know, do this thing. Or um, yeah. I'm I'm more of a I'm more of a a, a, a teacher instead of an evangelist on mm-hmm. my on my APES score. So that's why I'm not going yeah. out you screaming Jesus on the corner, right? But the way you said it, it, it is, there is a difference, right? There is a, a, a difference between telling your story. And and fill in a quota, right? And I I, yeah. I I love the way you put that. That that frames this conversation a lot differently. Um, and for me specifically, when you say it that way, it also kind of uh, turns the conversation on its head, right? Because now we we're going from talking to other people to what do we know and believe about our own story, right? And and so we've switched this now to uh, what's going on for us in our faith walk um, and and how do we maybe get to that point where we do know what our story is and and we own our story and we're passionate about our story because of the things that faith has done for us in our lives. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is a place that challenges everybody because I think now we're getting into what's my story. Do I think I have anything worth saying? Right. And so you've got some people that feel like unless I overcame a cocaine addiction, or, you know, came out of a horribly messed up, jacked up, broken home situation. Like, I don't have a story. Who's going to listen to me? Like, I, I lived a, a normal leave it to beaver life. You know, that, that's not an interesting story. Nobody's going to get excited about, like, how can I even be passionate about that story? Like, hey, I, I have, I had a good life and like, I, I just grew up believing this. And, you know, and, and so right there, there's tension, right? What, yep. what is my story? What's even going on beneath the surface in terms of my faith, you know? I'll I'll wait to talk until I have something to say, sort of thing, and 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 that very quickly gets into the kind of false comparison stuff that we've talked about before on this platform. Of you know, if my story's not like you know whomever, yeah, then I'll just leave it to them. And and I think we lose sight of the fact that you know, your story does matter, and your story's in progress, right? And so even if you feel like nothing profound has happened yet. One, some of that's a little bit like when you have that phone conversation, people still have phone conversations, right? That's a thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So you have that phone conversation with somebody that you haven't talked to in like a month, two months, three months, and like, what's new? And your mind goes totally blank, right? And the immediate response is, well, nothing. And you, you then start to have this like, you know, split conversation with yourself of like, that can't be true. That's 90 days. It's been three months. Something had to have happened in the last three months that I can talk about. But you're you're just sitting there like, yeah, nothing happened, and that was even pre-COVID, right? <laughs> right. And and so there's this there's this this tension of I don't I don't have a story I don't have anything worth saying, and that's not true. You do. But the other part is your story doesn't have to touch everyone. Yeah. Right. You're you're not actually meant to save the world. And in fact, the really good news is you can't. It's not possible. And you really can't even save anyone. You can't save one person. But, that, but you can have an influence. You can have an effect. Through the telling of your story, through the vehicle of the relationship that you've established. And you know, can you have that effect on people you've never met before, like random people you just walk up to? Absolutely. God can do anything he wants. But more often than not, it comes through 
connection. It comes through relationship. Right? I mean, if if the whole reason that we're trying to tell G- people about Jesus is because Jesus wants a relationship with them, then it would make sense that this would all begin with relationship. And so again, yep. it's it's not about the quota. It's about the connection. Yeah, and I really appreciate that you you said that it it's not our story is not meant to reach everyone. Um because you know, as you were talking, I'm thinking yeah, you know, I have a pretty vanilla story and, and our culture is, is all about flash. And so, right. you know, it is those impressive stories that, you know, I got saved out of addiction or um, out of an abusive situation or, you know, I have X in my my history. And, um, you know, th- those kind of grab the attention. Um but as you're talking about, you know, just growing up and having kind of a, a normal, regular upbringing and, and whatnot, I'm like, you know, I feel like that's most people. <laughs> and so my story can connect with most people, mm-hmm. right? And and so we we do have to be okay owning the story that, that we've been given, right? Yeah, I love that because, I mean, your story, you can say it one way and just like any kind of, you know, movie or or even preaching, like five different people can hear hear it differently, yep. right? And so yeah. your story yep. could – you could say one little small thing from that story and it can impact somebody in a completely different way than it would impact me or, or you guys, right? Like um, – and I think that's that's key, right? Like my, my story is going to be used, you know, by God to you know influence other people in ways that i just i don't have no control of right like my i could i could have this great awesome story and the the one little you know punchline that i had in the very beginning of it that was not meant to be the point of the story could be the most impact in in like impactful portion of it to somebody else right right yeah absolutely yeah and so it seems like part of that internal process tom that you were talking about is just start to take some of the pressure off, right? Like this isn't all up to you and it's not your job to save everyone. And in some cases you're going to have a connection with other people that no one could possibly have, right? You know, you guys as fathers have influence with your kids in a role that no one else can. And it's also not all up to you because Tom, you and I both know as people that spent any number of years offering tutoring, on the side as we were teachers, you can walk into somebody's house, tell them the exact same thing that their parents have been saying for years. And the kid looks at you and goes, Oh yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I'll do that. And mom and dad are looking at you like, I have to pay you for this to tell them the exact same thing I've been telling them forever. And you're like, look, sometimes it's just helpful if it's not mom or dad. And they're like, all right, well, here's the check. So again, it's, there's no program. There's no structure. There's no system. There's no guarantee, which makes us wildly discomfortable. But that's also the beauty of it. If it were only ever up to fathers to bring their children into the kingdom, that would be a lot of pressure. And that would mean that some people would never have the opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. And the same would be true in reverse. 
right? That if it had to come from outside, if it had to come from a wandering evangelist, you know, a missionary in the jungle, there'd be a lot of people that would never get that opportunity. And so it's a beautiful thing that there's no one way that this happens, but as people that are often very black and white, it's really uncomfortable that there's no one way that this always happens. So then I guess, how do we prepare ourselves for those situations where we get to share our story and, uh, I don't know, you were, you were saying it earlier, Mike, when we were talking about something else, um, have the expectation that something is going to happen. Yeah. But be okay if nothing does. Yep. Are there are there ways that we can uh, do the work so that we're ready if those moments come? You know, it's funny because the first thought that comes to mind is is for me is is being more comfortable in telling my story and initially. That that doesn't have to be with like non-believers, right? Like it's it's right. it's it's yep. easy for me to tell my story with believers, or even just my close friends or my family, and then just realize, you know, there's things in my story that as I as I say it, you know, um, other people are going to pick up, and I think that's the first thing for me was get comfortable in your story, right? Be able to learn, like. Be able to say your own story, be able to practice that, be able to, to have like, and even if you don't share it, right, even just writing it out, like just even just like doing it yourself to say, Hey, this is my, this is my story. I think is a, is the first step, right? Getting comfortable and sharing your stories is, is knowing your story. Yeah. And I think that, you know, each of us individually has, has, uh, experienced the power of that in, in a group setting, especially of, uh, of sharing your story and, and, um, I think there's a part of that that just kind of takes the pressure off because there are places where you have been attacked. There are places where you feel shame or guilt or um, that you would rather not have out in the world. Uh, And so going through the exercise of intentionally letting people into uh, your story and, and kind of peeling back some of that, uh, really this is super cliche and, and churchy but brings it out to the light um you know and, and uh and it removes some of the the hold that that shame and guilt has over us so that our story is easier to share um and and we feel okay about that prospect and i think too just the honesty and transparency in the telling of your story. I think so often the temptation is to have a nice, neat little bow on it mm-hmm. to, you know, make it appear as if there's been no struggle. There's been no doubt. There's been no moments of shaken faith that, you know, I'm good. I'm solid because if I show weakness, if I show doubt, then people be like, what are you selling me, man? Like, sounds like right. you need this. And, and that's, that's false. You know, the, Humanity is is what's attractive, right? Transparency, vulnerability, honesty are the most endearing things. I mean, they tell you that in sales all the time, right? The easiest way to sell your product is if you believe in it. If you don't, I mean, 
then you got to fall back on your gifting and some smooth talking. And that's really not what, you know, we're after here. And so, like you said, Mike, you know, knowing your story, getting comfortable with telling your story and getting comfortable with telling the parts of your story that aren't neat and tidy. And especially to keep that story fresh, to keep it current. You know, if it's, if it's the same, you know, four minute spiel, that's going to get old for you. And it's going to feel a little stale because if passion is what's so convincing and convicting, it's going to start to feel like, well, man, where is your passion with this? It sounds like this was sort of a five years ago you or a 10 years ago you or a 10 year old you. You're like, where is this now? What what does this look like for you today? Again, it's that thing. We're all passionate about whatever it is. And if you spend any real time around us, you're going to hear about it. And you're not just going to hear about us, you know, rolling out the same old story from high school or college. Like you're going to hear whatever present day version of that looks like. And so, Tom, I think it gets back to the point you were making earlier about what's going on internally as we're trying to figure out how to do this externally is, I mean, this Again, you're not trying to hit benchmarks, but it's got to be ongoing, right? There's got to be continued self-discovery, even Mm -hmm. as you're creating opportunities for discovery for others. Yeah, well, it goes back to what you said about having a or wanting to have a a bow and have it all tied up, right? Like, it's a whole lot easier for me to share about something five or ten years ago than it is for me to say, you know what? Right now, my wife and I, we're in the middle of this mess. It's just messy currently. Yeah. And I don't, there's no end to that. There's, there's no, like, we have not reached the finish, um, you know, but, but there is a, an authenticity, I think that comes through in the way that we can talk about even just how we're approaching those things that are currently in progress. Yep. Uh, that, that can invite people into the larger story. So I feel like this is just going to be like, we could almost pre-record this, this outro here, but I don't know if we answered anything here in this (laughs) ongoing series on discomfort. Um, You know, if nothing else, it's been, it's been a really enjoyable series of conversations in the midst of this series with things that we don't have figured out yet. You know, we've got bits and pieces here. There's some lived experience. There's some understanding. Um, And it is, it's good to try to put words to these places of discomfort in the midst, to not wait for that nice tidy bow at the end, Um, to acknowledge where we are, to acknowledge where we've come from, to acknowledge where we would like to go. And like we said at the beginning of this series, that's the whole idea with discomfort. I have an idea of where I want to go. I have more of an idea of why I really want to go there. I have very little idea of how to get there. But I'm willing to push in and try to figure it out as I go. And so honestly, I don't even know how much further we're going with this discomfort series. It feels like there's probably lots more places we could go that are you know, uncomfortable. Um, so we'll just see what kind of stamina we have for this before we just tap out. But uh, hopefully this has been helpful, uh, enjoyable, thought provoking. Um, it's just made you feel as 
discomfortable as it makes us feel. Uh, but thank you guys for being on this journey with us. Uh, and so again, reach out, let us know what you think, how it's making you feel, suggestions for other topics of discomfort. Uh, we'll just keep rolling with it till everybody gets tired of it and force us to talk about something different. But uh, for now, this is John on behalf of Mike and Tom. Um, thank you guys for being part of Strong Towers. We'll see you next time. Before you go, we just wanted to take a quick minute to thank you for being a part of the conversation and taking on this journey with us. If you like what you're hearing, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast app and throw us a like or write a review. All of that helps other people find our show. If you're looking for more, head over to our website, strong-towers.com, and sign up to receive notifications whenever we release new content. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at strong underscore towers. And don't forget to join our Facebook group, We Are Strong Towers, to keep the conversation going throughout the week. If you want to support the show, check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash strongtowers for your chance to score some Strong Tower swag and get access to exclusive content. We appreciate y'all, and we'll see you back here real soon.